listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel. Thanks for joining us. So today, as we kick off a new sermon series, Table Talk, I got to sit down and talk with Yancey and Ryan about all things food, their favorite foods, most memorable meals, and how God uses the gift of food to help us to love, serve, and reach others. Hope you guys find it helpful. Welcome, guys, to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. Thanks for being here. All right, yeah. It's good yeah, to see you guys. Glad to be here. It's good to be here. So our church, Clear Creek, just started a new sermon series called Table Talk, where faith meets food. And we're talking about how God gives us the gift of food and we can celebrate it and use it as His people. So before we jump in on anything about this first sermon, which both of you guys preached, I just want to ask y'all, what's the best meal you've ever had? What was, what was the best time you've ever had at the table? Go ahead, Ryan. I need to think more about mine. I know. I need to think about mine, too. Um, you say best meal ever. It's hard for me to... I know. Okay, how about this? What is your go-to, com- your go-to comfort meal? Oh, gosh. I mean, Go ahead, Ryan. I mean, Let me probably, think about that as well. Probably some sort of barbecue. I mean, I love, I love brisket and, I mean, all kinds of good barbecue. Uh, I mean, it's sort of a weird story of one of the best times I've had food, and this is going to sound really weird, is that whenever I was in, I was in Africa for a long period of time, and when we came back, I craved having just like fresh spinach, just raw spinach. And that's mm. like what I went to the grocery store and bought a bag of raw spinach and just ate it like it was a bag of chips. Because you had it there? No, because there because I didn't have it there. I didn't have okay. like just good like fresh vegetables there. It wasn't it wasn't as accessible. So when so you got back, when I got that was when the I got back, food? that was what I my it's like my body that like, craved, I guess, I don't know, the vitamin D or whatever's in spinach. So when I asked that question, I did not mean Popeye was his favorite cartoon hero too, by the way. But I, <laughs> that's amazing. This is very never, memorable. It's very yeah. memorable. He actually shared that story with me before, and it's a true story because he, he wouldn't have just made it up twice. But I, I've never had that experience. I mean, I've I've been somewhere and gotten back, thought, hmm, the first thing I said was was not, can I have some spinach? It's more like, can I have some fajitas? Some queso. Yeah, yeah, yeah queso. I've I would had, say I've had those too. Well, I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I would. It's, for me, it's it's pretty similar. I mean, Ryan and I even talk about this. We've talked about it in prior podcasts. Like I, I always love a good brisket. Tex Max is always a go. So I don't know about my best meal ever. I don't. I don't think like that. But comfort foods, man. I got so many of them. Like uh, for breakfast, my favorite thing to have is biscuits and gravy, sausage gravy. And so uh, my grandmother used to make it. My mom made it. My wife makes a mean batch of biscuits and gravy so it's just so not healthy for you that i can only eat it like twice a year but when when it's like my birthday or something my wife will make it that that just feels right so i'll leave you with that one what about you me um you i don't said know. queso so but that's 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 on the side yeah i mean i think i'm i'm like y'all i think it's less about the food more about the moment so whenever i think about my favorite food it's either whenever i've been on a trip you know an mm. important trip with somebody we went to a cool place like we used to be obsessed with uh, iron chef oh yeah yeah and so one time when we went to dc we like drove a long time to go to one of their restaurants mm. and so it probably wasn't that good but i'm just going to pretend like it was because we drove 30 minutes to go there what kind of food was it 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 was just american food yeah. you know what, do you was, remember what you ate no i actually don't see so i don't even know it was really good and it was really fun. But you said it, it up. Was you said that you Ryan's. remember the experience more than the food. So I get it. Yeah, it was better than the spinach. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably right. We remember experiences probably more than just the, the food around it. But like if you were to ask my wife, one of her favorite meals is ceviche, and she connects it to when we went to we, – we had a, our, our 20-year wedding anniversary. We went to Mexico, and she just ate ceviche on the beach like over and over and over again. So she's emotionally attached to ceviche, not just because she loves it, but because it, it connects with all those experiences. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and she was even by herself. So I think that's interesting. There's all sorts of ways that we enjoy food and can celebrate food. Um, So I want to dive a little bit into the sermon you guys preached um, because it was really good. And if you haven't listened to it, for those of you who are listening, um, I hope that you just take a second and go listen on clearcreekresources.org because it's a great sermon, not just for uh, thinking about how we think about and celebrate food, but just for this biblical story um, that's all throughout the Bible. It's, it's a good one. So I encourage you to do that. But one thing that uh, y'all do in this sermon is you, you do walk through the whole Bible, how the Bible talks about food. Yep. And something I think just catches your attention as um, a modern day American Christian is the, how they celebrated food in the Old Testament. There's all these feasts and festivals that God asks his people to participate in. So why don't we do that now? If it's so important, why don't we have this calendar of festivals that have to do with food? And what do you think, Ryan? All right. I'll jump into that. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the the feasts and the festivals that they were celebrating, they celebrated them with food. They weren't necessarily celebrating the food themselves. Although, I mean, there's definitely uh, feasts around like harvest and they're celebrating, you know, God's faithfulness in that. Um, You know, I have a a list of of seven of the major feasts that they celebrated in the Old Testament, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, uh, weeks, or it's known as like the Pentecost, uh, trumpets, uh, Day of Atonement, Tabernacles, all those different feasts that you see throughout the Old Testament um, are oftentimes pointing the people of Israel to God and His faithfulness and the grace that they receive through His covenant with the people of Israel. And so each one of those are marking significant moments in their redemptive history of God rescuing them from <clears throat> Egypt, um, you know, and a number of different things, the giving of the law, uh, atoning for sin, all those things that whenever you get to the New Testament, a lot of those or all those are seen as being fulfilled in Jesus, that Jesus is the one who is the, um, he's the lamb that is sacrificed on the day of atonement. He is, um, he's the one who tabernacles among us that, um, you know, the, the feast of the unleavened bread, you know, Jesus, you know, he talks about in John chapter six, that he is, um, you know, that he's the, the bread. I mean, he's referring to the, the manna in there. But anyway, you see these fulfillments of all those feasts in Jesus. So that's the reason why followers of Jesus don't continue on with those same Old Testament feasts, because Jesus is the, he's the, the fulfillment of all the feasts. I mean, that's something that you want to add to that. No, perfect. I think that's super good. I, I would, the only thing I would add is, um, it probably depends on what what part of the world you live in to say, why don't we still do feasts? Because it depends on what tradition you come from in the Christian faith, because there are a lot of, a lot of different uh, denominations that actually celebrate feasts all throughout the year. So Anglicans, I mean, just here's a list that I have is Epiphany, Presentation of Christ in the Temple, which is Candlemas, uh, the Annunciation of Our Lord to the Blessed Virgin, Easter Day, Ascension Day, Day of Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, All Saints Day, and of course Christmas Day. <clears throat> All of those are feasts. And so it, it depends on what 
what what era you are in in church history. It depends on what region of the world that you live in. So to say, well, we, we, why don't we do them? It may be more apropos to say, why doesn't Clear Creek specifically celebrate those things? Because uh, we're not a very liturgical, traditional kind of a church where if you could just go down the street, they may celebrate all of those feasts and more. So, um, But also in the ancient world, hospitality was a huge thing. Food was a huge thing uh, because it's not like they had a bunch of video games to play another thing. I mean, food became not just something that was utilitarian. It was festive. And so God uses those kinds of things as reminders, as markers. And then, as Ryan wonderfully said, I mean, they ultimately, for New Testament Christians, they all point to Jesus anyhow. So uh, the, the only feast that continues, frankly, as far as a practice, is the Lord's Supper. Yeah. You have the Lord's Supper, and then in the early church, you have the agape fest, a feast, the, uh, the, the love feast, which you see in, you see in Jude Verse twelve, uh, you see one twelve, and you see in First Corinthians, which uh, you have, they would people would you know get home from they'd come to, to to the church building from work, if you will, and they would have this incredible feast, and they would eat together as a sign of love, thus called the agape feast, agape Greek for love, and they would hang out, and then uh, usually toward the end they would they would take you know Eucharist, Lord's Supper, communion, however you want to call it. And uh, over time, those got separated around the 200s, and, and uh, some continued to do the love feast, and some dropped off. And so uh, in Baptists, they just eat on Wednesday nights, you know, their uh, chicken fried steak with, with everyone in the same room. So there's there's some kind of form or fashion of, of some kind of feast going on. It just depends what tradition you're a part mm-hmm. of. Yeah, and even just to jump in there, you were listing off the different feasts or celebrations within the Anglican Church, and you mentioned Pentecost in there. And so, we, you know, we had said that, uh, we don't celebrate any of the Old Testament feasts or festivals, and that was one of them, but it's celebrated in a different way and right. for different reasons. Right. You know, for the, the Pentecost was uh, the Feast of Weeks. It was celebrating the, the 50 weeks of the uh, where the, the law was given 50 weeks after the crossing of the Red Sea, and it, and it symbolized or signified the beginning of God's Old Covenant people beginning. But what we see, what happens in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of God's new covenant people, the giving of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the reason why Anglicans and other Christians uh, celebrate Pentecost in different ways today. Just wanted to add Absolutely. Way to go. Yeah, it seems like whenever you guys are talking about the feast, um, then and now, there is anticipation and then there's celebration. Hmm. You know, so a lot of of the Old Testament feasts were in anticipation and celebration, but but now, even whenever we still celebrate them, they're in celebration of what God has fulfilled in His promises through Jesus yeah. and what we are waiting for Him to do. Yeah, even think about, um, <clears throat> I know Christmas is actually a, it's actually a church holiday or holy day holiday, we would call Advent, and that's what they would call it, but uh, at least in the past, that's what they call it, but we still celebrate that, and we still have, we still have some, we have American holidays, national holidays, that still have a, a, a vertical spiritual dimension to them if we want them to be. I mean, Thanksgiving, what are you thankful for? Who, to whom are you thankful? And at least in the past, it's, I know it gets co-opted by all kinds of groups, but at, at least originally in its purpose, it's, you know, we're thankful to God for the, you know, for the bounty that he gave the pilgrims, and you can do the whole story, but still, it's it's a there's a vertical element to that Thanksgiving. So, you know, Christians should really still be about fe- uh, feasts and eating and all these other kinds of things. It just, as Ryan has eloquently put it, it's just it just looks different, and as you've said, mm-hmm. it's, it's something we enjoy, some things also we're anticipating, so those kinds of things. Okay, so another thing that I thought I was thinking about as I listened to you talking about the theology of feasting and 
uh, Christians celebrating and anticipating with food is is just this concept of fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, because in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's feast and there's fast. And so are those two things contradictory? Are they opposed to one another? Or how, how do they <clears throat> go together? Yancy? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it's a nuanced answer to that. It just depends on sometimes there were, if I remember correctly, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. That's actually a fast day, not a feast day. And because fasting was uh, synonymous to and analogous to, if you will, repentance, you fasted. And so anytime that you have a, a ceremony or a feast or excuse me or a, or a holiday that's talking about sin and repentance, fasting usually goes with that. Um, <clears throat> you also have um, regular fasts that that the Jews and early Christians um, observed and and those were talking about <clears throat> excuse me those weren't necessarily about repentance they were about focusing spiritually about saying all right I know that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat physically, uh, going to go through this this kind of uh, season where instead of having literal bread that we would eat, I'm going to have the spiritual bread that, that, that God has in his word, that Jesus says that he is. And so for a season, instead of eating food, I'm just going to take in God's word to kind of um, accelerate any kind of... Um, you know, spiritual intensity that I'd like to have for maybe making a decision. You know, even Jesus tells the disciples, hey, listen, man, if you're going to go out and cast out some of these demons, they're only going to come out with prayer and fasting. And so there's this kind of uh, spiritual discipline that and awareness that fasting brings. And so I, I just think it's interesting that, that God uses food in the positive, and I, I don't want to say the negative, but like he uses the abundance of food and the lack of food, either way on the continuum, to grow spiritually with. That, w- that would be my answer to mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. It's yeah, good. I mean, I mean, it just sounds to me like part of what you're saying is because I think whenever people think about fasting, they think that that means food is bad. <clears throat> but if you're if you're giving it up Excuse to me. focus on God, like you said, it's a focusing of God. Then you know you're giving up something that's good. It's a gift to focus on yeah. the Creator, not the creation. Yeah, never. It's never that that food is bad. In fact, it, you know, it's it's what you're saying is I'm giving, I'm pushing pause on a very good thing so that I can have even at least for this season something that I would consider ultimately better, uh, which is the Word of God and you know spending time with Christ. Uh, and I'm I'm just I'm just. Not only symbolically, but physically, stopping this so I can stopping this form of intake into my life, so I can have a, a little more of this mm-hmm. intake into my life. So that's how I've seen fasting in the past. That's how I've done it. Uh, you know, when I've tried to fast, and so. Uh, but but I do think you. I, I just think it's cool that that God uses food both in its abundance and and, and pushing pause on it to to grow our hearts for Him. So, if we're thinking about balance, about how God uses. Um, food in lots of different ways. I think something that can be hard for people, uh, maybe more people looking into the Christian faith, I'm not sure, but maybe more people looking into the Christian faith is they think of it as if I become a Christian, if I'm part of the church, then I have to give up the good life. I have to, you know, just say no to all fun and goodness and feasts and celebrations. So my question is just, why do you think that is? And then... Is there a little bit of truth to that? How do we sort of think through, are we, what, what are we giving up as far as the good life with feasting? I, I, I think some of that perception might come from, um, well, I mean, is um, 
when you become a follower of Jesus, you are submitting your heart, your will, your mind, your, your whole life to the kingship of Jesus over you. Um, and I think that there's a, there's a, there's a part of us, the, the sinful part of us that, that rebels against that. And so I think if someone is not a follower of Jesus and they look at someone who is saying that, yeah, they, they submit themselves to the authority of God's word in their life. I mean, the assumption is, or at least the, the feeling is like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to give up anything for anyone at all. Um, but as a follower of Jesus, what you're seeing though is within that submission to God's goodness and his will over your life is you get to experience um, the beauty and the glory of God. You get to almost experience more the the fullness of God, what God intends in his creation. So when it comes to, you know, food, let's say, I mean, I would argue that um, in some ways, because of you, you have a fuller understanding of God's uh, provision, um, his, um, his goodness, his glory, and that we can enjoy him and enjoy the things that he has given us. It, it adds to the overall enjoyment in the film or the, yeah, fulfills the enjoyment that, that you're eating and you're enjoying some of these things in a way that you're like, it, it only adds to all the other things that other people might experience. I don't know if that makes any sense. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. that was so good. I, I didn't even understand one word you said. Good. In it. No, I mean, I, halfway through, it, I stopped understanding. <clears throat> no, it. no, I thought it was good. I, I, I would build on that by saying, I think there's probably a cultural. Um, what's the best way to say? It? I, I think people grow up and they have a certain view of it's kind of the Ned Flanders Christianity, where they think, um, you know, to be a Christian is going to be sour and glum, and <clears throat> we're, we're going to be. It's almost like it's a sin to have fun, mm-hmm. and so that's how they see Christians. And there, you know, you have legalistic Christians out there that really feel like it is a sin to have any kind of fun that doesn't feel like you have to. You know, it's like you know going to the going down a water slide in a in a, in a three piece suit. You know, that's that's their idea of fun, and the world just doesn't get that. And frankly, most Christians don't either. So you've kind of got that that. Uh, that idea out there that, that Christians have to fight against. So when someone becomes a Christian, they think, oh, I guess I, I, guess I have to, you know, to follow Jesus means <clears throat> be Ned. I need to be like Ned Flanders and just really eat plain food and not really have any fun. Uh, I mean, that's one side, and I think we have to be aware of that. The, the other side to me is this where it's kind of this licentiousness where everyone's, you know, they're still in high school. I mean, I'm, I'm 42 years old. I'm going through a midlife crisis, so I feel like I still need to, you know, act like I'm in the frat house. And so when they think of having fun, they're just thinking about, uh, you know, how drunk can I get? Or you know what other kind of thing can I do that 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 I that I really wanted to do when I was in high school that's still going to do so you you got to I mean those are two extremes about <clears throat> one's like no filter and the other one's no fun but the Bible just simply says that that God calls us to enjoy the life that He gives us now it doesn't mean that life's not broken that life's not hard but but there's there's a huge room in which to enjoy the goodness of God and when you look at how the folks in the Bible celebrated God through food. I mean, we're talking uh, the wine goblets are to the brim. It's the choicest of meats. I mean, it's 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 a party. <clears throat> and you know, for I don't know how this comes across on a podcast or a video of a podcast, but Christians need to learn how to party well and celebrate well. They, they ought to be the best people at celebration. Um, 
because we we know what this is all about and that God's good in his common grace to give us the things that he gives us. And so um, I, I just think there, there are probably some stereotypes we have to overcome. And frankly, there are fundamentalist churches and that, that probably are pretty dour, and they've cast a pall over what it is for Christian celebration. If anything, we ought to re, we ought to recapture that. And I'm hoping that's what we do somewhat in this series, where you know we're not asking people to to try to float as many kegs as you can in in the bay, uh, and at the same time, we're not asking people to to button up and just just eat you know Jesus's chicken at Chick Fil A all the time. No offense, Chick Fil A, I love you. I'll take as much as you want to give me. But I'm just simply saying it. We ought to have. There's a whole lot of latitude and a whole lot of room to play where we can celebrate things. Like I would love for the people of the Forby area to see, to think like the, the Christians, the people that follow, the people that go to Clear Creek Community Church, those guys are followers of Jesus, and they know how to celebrate, and they know how to celebrate mm-hmm. well. That, that, would be a, that would be incredibly missional for us, I think. So you were talking about this sort of spectrum and how we need to find a place because there's all this room. Yep. And Ryan was talking about living under the Lordship of Jesus yep. and how... Living in that space is a beautiful, that's really the good life. Do you guys have any practical, just just ways that you in your own lives try to find that discernment? Is there anything practical? Is that just something you have to grow in? Well, I, I, I'm not sure I understand exactly what you're asking. I, I, I think the Bible gives us parameters. You know, we, we shouldn't live to excess. <clears throat> we shouldn't be flippant about our celebrations, and yet we should have real celebrations. And we, the Bible's, you know, I, I think the Bible says, here's the kind of room that you need to have to play in. It's a really big room. Um, and and I, I do think there's ways that, that we can, you know, we can be legalistic about it. Like how, how Ryan may want to have celebrate maybe something that I'm not as comfortable with. I don't even know what that would be. I'm just making something up. But I don't want to, you know, a legalist is someone who's, whose convictions, they, their convictions, they just make everyone else's law. And I think that's just a really quick way to just uh, not follow Jesus as, as cheerfully as you can. Instead of saying, you know what, you know, what does the Bible say about celebration? What are the parameters that it puts around it? Uh, celebrate, uh, have a feast with friends, feast with neighbors. So like practically, like I, I, we, I think Houstonians go out to eat 6.9 times a week. With the average nationally is four point nine, so Houstonians obviously know how to go out to eat, right? I'm, I'm, I, our series is more about opening up your home again. And it's not that you can't go out to eat. I mean, make it five point nine, but let, let have one. Of, so practically, let have one of those meals. Like have people in your house. Um, you know, Ryan's got younger kids. Maybe for some people, you know, as they get older, sometimes is this a kid-friendly thing or is this a non-kid-friendly thing? I think we as Christians need to think strategically about those kinds of things. Like, hey, some of these some of these times we're going to get together and have a meal. It's going to be with everybody, you know, cats, dogs included. And sometimes it's just going to be with the adults. And I, I just think uh, sometimes it's going to be with your best friends. Sometimes it's going to be with your neighbors that you don't know. So, I mean, those are all the kinds of things that I think Jesus gives this great example in the Scripture. I mean, Luke... And we've said this, and we'll say it again. Luke really is the gospel of food because Jesus is either coming to a meal, going to a meal, or he's at a meal. And Jesus just redeems the table for all kinds of things. If it's to disciple people or to share the gospel or just to celebrate, right? Uh, all of those things, I just think uh, th- there's a million ways to do it. Um, for me, it's to eat as much brisket as possible. No, it's, it's, that's yeah. not. Awesome. Kind of possible. Everyone just bought brisket. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if your question is about like how how do you how do you discern yeah. that balance between those two? I, I mean, the way that I would you know maybe just add into what Yancey was saying is I, I think 
we're, we're trying to do as we grow deeper in our relationship and our love for Jesus, um, we're developing a worldview, a, a way of interpreting the, uh, the world that we live in constantly and trying to have that be that worldview completely colored by and influenced by centered on the gospel. And so I think um, it challenges us whenever, you know, you read passages in the scripture that talks about how we could do all things for the glory of God. Well, there's a lot of mundane things that we do that we don't necessarily think, well, how am I doing that for the glory of God? How am I drinking coffee for the glory of God? I think it challenges us as followers of Jesus to say, well, God says I can do that for his glory. So what does that really look like? How does, how does the gospel of Jesus somehow shape how I'm enjoying a cup of coffee? Um, and there's mundane things, there's major things, there's feasts, there's festivals, all those different things. But I think that it challenges us to continually do that, like to press deeper. What, how, how do uh, enjoying the taste of something and appreciating where it came from and the labor that went into it and God's creativity in having different pr- flavor profiles and all those things, how does that increase my enjoyment ultimately of God by enjoying this thing that he has given me. Um, so I don't know if that's answering your question, but I think that like, yeah, it's, it's developing that gospel worldview of that filter of being able to ex- uh, understand better our experience of, of everything. Mm-hmm. If we can glorify God in everything, well, then how do we do that? Okay. So let me ask you another question. Well, wait, before you do that, how would you answer the question? What, what practical ways do you feel like that you have uh, to do that, Rachel. I mean, you asked us, so yeah, it's and, like, and we weren't really sure what you meant. Just, so it we were just it can't guessing. Just be, well, I pray. I All pray right. before my meal. No, sure. So, I mean, I think my answer would be to live in a gospel community yep. around these questions because I do think that um, to acknowledge God's good gift, it can be just a temptation to abuse it. We do that with everything. Mm-hmm. We do that with every single good gift that, that God gives us, and so. I think that um, it's it's a travesty to not enjoy and celebrate and worship God with the table and with food and community. Um, but we also do have to be careful. We have to walk in community yeah. and um, and have biblical parameters yeah. and so have wisdom yeah. as we walk through that. That's all. I, I think sometimes that's going to look like a really great crazy party. And crazy maybe sure. is not the word I want to use, but but. But when you talk about, because some people are hesitant to say, but aren't, aren't, you know, isn't, isn't gluttony or drunkenness a sin? Of course it is, right? So the Bible's clear about that. Well, but won't people abuse this? Well, they may. But Martin Luther said a long time ago, he said, um, I believe he said this, he said, you know, people, there, there are people that abuse marriage, but it's not going to stop me from getting married because mm-hmm. the, the abuse of a good thing doesn't negate the good use of it. And so God gives us community and you know the, the gospel doesn't remove our celebration it transforms it. it 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 makes it all the more real and so and i do think it's things like praying about what you're eating just thanking god like this is awesome thanks god it's it's getting to know the the people and the process behind the whole thing it's all of that it's just being aware it's having a consciousness that that uh, that this is a good gift from god and and uh, we don't have to build an altar everywhere that we eat but we do have to we do need to think about the goodness of god in it all and that that baptizes those moments. It redeems those moments in a way that's 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 important. Um, not just the eating of the food. The f- it's it's also the fellowship there. It's everything. Mm-hmm. So, no, I think it's interesting too because I think our our culture is gets fixated on food too. And so I think as followers of Jesus, we have to have a lot of grace yeah. when when we try to have discernment and wisdom when it comes to food yeah. too. Because I don't think we all have the same parameters necessarily. 
And so I think having grace and just understanding that other people are going to worship and appreciate God's food differently than you are is essential too. By God's food, did you mean Chick-fil-A again? I did. Okay. (laughs) In case so. We all appreciate it. (laughs) Okay. So what about... um, what about when it comes to, to what you're eating, which we're already talking about a little bit, Chick-fil-A, queso. Does that matter? I mean, when it comes to <clears throat> worshiping God and appreciating the good gift of feasting, uh, does, does it matter what's on our table? Man, I don't, I don't know. I think it's a good question. I don't know if it does. Um, you know, I, I think you could probably get into some kind of ethics of how the food got there. That could be a whole different. That's a whole different podcast. The ethics of kind of uh, how we get our food, but outside of knowing that, I mean, is it can I can I honor God eating McDonald's as much as I can eating McCormick and Schmicks or however it's called? Mm-hmm. Uh, then I, I I think you can. So um, I don't I don't want to be a food elitist about it at all. I, I think food's a good thing. Uh, there are probably complicated nuances nuanced ways to think about it all, but just on the surface of it. Uh, I, I think ultimately, as long as as you're if you're grateful for what you have, that goes a long way. I think, and so, and because if you if you have to start thinking like, now this food's the good food and this food's the bad food, then you could write off a whole group of people that are frankly financially not in a place to afford this kind of food. I mean, there's a reason why fast mm-hmm. food's the most popular thing. It's not because it's the best food for you. It's because it's the most affordable food for you. And we can get kind of high and mighty and go, you shouldn't eat that. It's really not good for you, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's how some families survive. And so I, I would just hope those families that that's the only thing they can eat, like they're just grateful for it. And uh, so I, I don't even know if that approach is an answer to the question that you're asking, but... Um, there's probably more better. There's probably better thoughts and nuanced thoughts behind that. But that's that's my first pass on that question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mean, there's you know, we're talking about celebrations and feasts and like you know things that you're gonna you know go all out and party yeah. for, yeah. right? But then there's also just the the everyday mundane, you know, warming up frozen nuggets for your kids and you know ham sandwiches and that sort of thing. And and like you said, you know, we can we can see the goodness of God, the provision of God, uh, the beauty of God in all those things. And um, yeah, it's not just reserved for the nice steak dinner. It's for anything. Yeah. But I do think food at different thing, excuse me, different kinds of food can signify different different things about who God is in his kingdom. So if you're really at a super nice meal or, um, you know, like an opulent feast, that ought to, you know, it, it might conjure up ideas of, the, of the, the wedding banquet or the marriage banquet at the end of Revelation where you have this amazing, you know, like if you've ever been to a really good party where people spend a lot of money on it and, and the, the, it's the richest foods, on, there's, there, that's just a different type of, if, if, if think of it as a diamond, it's just a different facet that you're not going to get from eating McDonald's. But maybe eating at McDonald's gives you another way to think about how God's goodness is. God, I'm I'm grateful that I can live in a place where I can at least afford food like this for today when I know halfway across the world there are a bunch of people that that, that can't even get this. Mm -hmm. So um, so I I just think different settings show us different things about the goodness of the gospel through Mm -hmm. food and through feasting. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I I mean, like you said, it's nuanced. And it sounds like you guys are saying it's it's really more how you're thinking about the food on your table and who you're yeah. with, unless the actual food. Those things matter, yeah. but it's how you respond yeah. and how you worship God through those things. Yeah, and I, I I have friends of mine that refuse to eat certain foods because they don't think they're ethically grown mm-hmm. or harvested. Or and I I may not share those same convictions, but I so deeply appreciate that they're trying to think through, like as a follower of Jesus. Hey, man. Um, 
I just know for me, and I love the way they couch that light. For me, I just, I just feel too burdened to eat this kind of stuff. I'm like, great. That's awesome. Pass it over to me. No, I'm, <laughs> I'll take that brisket off your hands. So, yeah. I think one of the other things we haven't really mentioned about food, though, is that it's not just about a celebration and feast, although it is. I think it is a, a way that we uh, we can care for other people, and so I think you know we've probably experienced that, or um, you know, someone's going through some sort of grief or suffering. Like it's a common thing to have meal plans set yeah. up in small mm-hmm. groups or Absolutely. providing for all those people. And you think Absolutely. about, man, that's just another facet of how food is something that is not just enjoyed. It's not just used to celebrate God. It's actually used to, to care for one another and as a sign of, of going the extra mile for them. It's a way to, it's also, it's absolutely that. It's also a way to break down um, I don't know if it's about breaking down barriers. Build bridges, though. Yeah, it's, sure. it's probably a better way to build bridges relationally. You know, when we, the reason, one of the reasons we serve coffee is not to feed everyone's caffeine addiction. Although I'll let Ryan explain more of that. I don't drink coffee. So, but it's, it's one of the, it's a social, they call it social lubricant. It's a social, it's a social drink. By that they mean, it, like, people feel safer talking to someone when they have a coffee cup in their mm-hmm. hand. I can't even explain the psychology behind it, but it's true. And, you know, when you're, when you're sitting down eating with someone, it's just easier to have a conversation than just, you know, in the lobby of Egret Bay or any one of our campuses, 528, Clear Lake, so on and so forth. Um, food somehow, just being around a table or being with a drink in your hand, just it lowers our threshold for being inhibited uh, and, and holding back. Like we can have conversations that flow easier. So it's just, it's just incredible. It's just a great tool that everyone has. Everyone has to eat. Right, mm-hmm. and everyone can. Uh, this is this is probably why uh, the New Testament has such a high view for hospitality. Not just because of the culture. But, I mean, there's even the spiritual gift of hospitality. I don't know why I air quoted that, but just if you're listening, <laughs> I'm just doing air quotes. The spiritual gift of hospitality, <laughs> as if there are some people that are super gifted to do this because of of the the the, the power that hospitality brings, and it's almost always around food. Uh, almost always around food. Yeah. I think that's that's so important that food can just be a tool for so many things. And it's it's almost in, inexplicable because you're talking about food being celebratory and for comfort. I've had lots of pregnancies, yeah. and I've received food, received meal trains for, for my kids that were born and for miscarriages that I had. Mm-hmm. And in both instances, it was ways, it was the way people loved me. It's powerful. That's how they love me was I'm celebrating with you and I'm glad for you. And I received that and it was such a good gift. And it was also, I'm with you. And this is just one way to show it whenever people don't know what to do. Yeah. It's a good gift either way, which it, is amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's, there are times where it's, it's better than giving them a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, we have now truth and later truth. The now truth in a, in a time of, of something to that effect. And, um, and we've had the same thing happen in our family. Where you know people just brought us food in 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 a in a kind way. Hey, what can we get you? We were wanting to do this. We've done it for other people, and I know that you don't have to be a Christian to do those things. We've had non Christians serve us, but Christians ought to be at the forefront of that. They ought to be at the forefront of that. So, uh, you know, DoorDash a buddy who you know is struggling, and it just believe me, they'll take it as the gift that it is. So it's a, that's a wonderful illustration. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, have you guys ever had the table? Um, just be a place where the gospel just um, has broken through for you. Do you do you have any examples whenever God really just used food as a tool, like we're talking about, to just 
enable you to spread the gospel, to share Christ's love with somebody? Just any personal examples. So I think I told this story a long time ago. We had some, we had some men painting our fence. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Painting our house. Um, and, and not too uncommon, people that we see, at least in our neck of the woods, people that work outside, that work in you know, the yard work or painting work, uh, tend to be from uh, Central America, Latin America. And all of these men, were uh, they were Spanish speakers. They didn't really speak English at all. And so my wife speaks Spanish. I speak a little bit of Spanish. And so uh, these guys were very kind and generous, and they worked really hard. And their foreman spoke English, but he wasn't there often. And so I, I just remember uh, all these uh, – I just – I just was appreciative of the work that they did. So we would sometimes provide them food. But at the end of it, when it was all done, I asked if they could just come eat with us. Like, all right, tomorrow's your last day. Would you have dinner with us? And they all to a person said that they would. And I don't know if they were hesitant about it or if it's something they wanted to do or not. Like, I don't know what this gringo's thinking and, you know, why is he, you know, he going to sell us on something. But we just want to show our appreciation for him. And so uh, we, we had this big meal made for them, and they sat down at our dining room table, and we're just talking to them. And it found out that they're from El Salvador, and they actually happen to be followers of Jesus. And we talked about Jesus, and, you know, I'm sitting down there, and the first thing they do is they all take off their hats and they all pray, and I'm, you know, I'm barely halfway in my chair, and I'm just blown away by their their devotion and their faith, things I would have never known. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I say never. I, I I didn't know until I sat down to eat with them, and then they were just, you know, we weren't we weren't employee and employer. We were just brothers in Christ. Uh, I get and, and you know sisters. I mean, my my wife's there as well, and we're just talking in our broken Spanish, and and just talking about really Jesus and were they a part of a church and. Um, so it, it wasn't a, a chance where I was sharing the gospel with yeah. them, but we were enjoying the fruits of hey, this has felt like a kingdom moment. Mm-hmm. You know, this is we're, we're trans, uh, 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 we're going beyond um, culture. Uh, ethnicity, even language, a little bit, and and the gospels now become central to it all. It was just a cool moment, man. It was a, you know, uh, we prayed for each other and hugged each other, and um, I, I I just won't forget it because I just thought ah, the table allowed me a place mm-hmm. to ask a really easy, you know, give them a really easy request and th- that they fulfilled. And actually, they left because they had to go to their church, which was like from seven to nine p.m. I'm like, oh man. You guys have fun with that. So uh, I, I was just blown away by uh, just the whole experience. That's that's one story that stands out in my head. Yeah, I feel like I've had similar experience. I mean, even just thinking about cross-cultural things. I mean, like I said, I spent some time in Africa. Uh, I've been on some of our short-term trips to Honduras. I've been to uh, Ukraine. We had a partnership there. And there's just there's a, so many examples where you're sitting around the table with um, some of those church partners, and you get to hear their experience and just the, the fellowship that you get to have by sharing a meal together and eating what they normally eat. And it's going to be something that you know you're not necessarily used to, but it's something that they're proud of. Maybe they had that food especially prepared for you. And there are times when we we're in in Africa and. Uh, you know, I mean, we were we were in southern Sudan. I mean, as remote as as you could get, and um, you know, there's no electricity, there's no nothing, and we're we're in this this hut, and we're we're eating, you know, a, a goat that they slaughtered especially for us, and just such a honor that that was a that was a precious thing for them, and then to sit in this this hut and and eat this. 
um, that was so valuable to them. And then, you know, as it's getting dark outside, it's getting pitch black in this place because there's no power there. And then afterwards they start singing some of their, you know, their cultural songs and just the the beauty of that moment. I mean, I'll always remember that just because it was just so rich and being able to see the different cultures come together. Like this is... This is what God, you know, wants for us. I mean, that's what almost, you know, you talk about revelation, oh, yeah. gathering around yeah. the marriage mm-hmm. supper, yeah. supper of the oh, lamb yeah. and yeah. all the nations. And, um, you know, so I feel like I got this, this taste of that. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. an incredible that's scene. That's yeah. an incredible it scene. Is. What about you, Rachel? Do you have any, what pops in your mind? I know you're asking the questions. Do you have anything that's in your head about it? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> well, let me, let me, let me ask you this then. I didn't know I was going to put you off on the question. Oh my gosh! Sorry. <laughs> when you come up with these questions, you need to. Do you have, actually, you, you actually have think about them for yourself, Rachel. Like, oh, this like, is going to be a good one. Us. I'm going to get him with this one. <laughs> I was like, listen, I'm going to, here's a singer. I, just, I only ask questions. I don't think about it for myself on this one. I see you don't have an answer like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you haven't yeah, gone to Africa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, yeah. spoken to people from El Salvador. The other day, I was at Chick Fil A with my kids. Just tell us about when you're around with. All Man. your kids and oh they gosh. got junk. Sure you had great conversations then too. Like you didn't ask that. No, no. I'm glad that we did. I'm glad that we did. <laughs> so here, here's what I would Matt ask. Matt is a really good editor. No, 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 no. I, we're going to keep all this There's in. I hope no so. Way. So let me let me let me ask you this question. Yeah. Um, because a lot of us, we all share in some circles, somewhat of the same, somewhat of the same friends. Not all the time, but some some of the same friends. What, what is the importance, though, for followers of Jesus? Because we do small group together. We don't, but we all are in small groups. And we, we say we do life with each other, but, but oftentimes for a lot of our groups, doing life is seeing each other for an hour to two hours a whole week. Why is eating together one more way to actually do life with people? What is it about getting around a table? Um, you know, because my, my wife's eaten with you guys. We've eaten with y'all before. Why is that also important? What, what do we find out about each other when we eat together that maybe we don't find out about uh, necessarily in small group, which we got, you know, our set agenda, we're doing this. So answer that question. Yeah, that's softball. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, I think that it's the same thing that you both have been talking about. I think it, it builds bridges. It breaks down barriers. I mean, I think it builds um, trust <clears throat> and, and community where words can't sometimes. So um, when I go, when I've gone through stressful times, the first thing I want to do is go eat with my friend. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, can you go have lunch? Yeah. I just want to sit with you. And I do. I want to eat something, some good gift that God has given yeah. us because that's easier a lot of times than being like, hey, I want to go just talk to you because I'm struggling. Yeah. But I can say, I want to go eat with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll talk to you through those things. Yep. It's, the, it's the same thing with fellowship as it is with discipleship yep. and evangelism. So it's so much easier to do that. Yep. Um, and we're also enjoying something good together yep. because I love food. Yep. I do think it's a good gift from God and he gave it to us. Um, but it's all those things wrapped together uh, that just makes those moments um, 
easy and special and a conduit to something else. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of small groups, it's a regular practice for them to even have a full meal I or totally at least agree. some snacks I for totally the first, agree. you know, however much. It yeah. just sort of, it's almost like the social lubricant. It's like, yeah. you know, come around and have some queso or have a whole meal and then you get to, uh, you know, go into the living room and have more deeper conversations about, um, you know, the scripture and how God's, you know, working in your hearts. Um, and even groups that don't, have that as a regular rhythm. I mean, a lot of times they'll say, hey, this week, let's just go out to eat or let's just do this. That's what our group does. I think a lot of groups do that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I feel like that's very beneficial to that. And then I just think about just, you know, friends that I have. I mean, it's when you gather people together and you have like your kids running around and everyone gets to see every part of you and everyone's, you know, yelling at their kids and their kids, you know, throwing things around. You're like, yeah, this is this is just real life. There wasn't like a, a sterilized like one hour. I got right. to sit around for, right. uh, across from you, and you got to see a filtered version of me. Right? It's like no, you came over in my house and you saw my kid, you know, break something over in the corner, you know, <laughs> and you saw how we reacted to that, and you know, it's just part of life, you know. Yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry. Were you going to say something? No, I was going to say I think that's important. Our spiritual life's not disconnected from totally material life and our everyday life. The, they're you know. Being under the lordship of Jesus, like you're talking about, that's everything. And so that's eating and it's messy life and it's all those things together, which is why when we walk into all those things together with other people, uh, God, God's there and he does something. Yep. I I love that there's an organic part of when you eat with someone that's really not agenda driven. And I'm not against agendas. Like when we come to small group, here's our agenda. Here's what we're going to do. But um, one more reason why I think in the New Testament, you see this robust picture of Christians fellowshipping together, right? But so much of our, a part of that is eating uh, and, and hanging out and spending time together. So, you know, it's, it's hard for me to turn down when a guy says, hey, man, we're going to do a barbecue cookout and um, I'm, I'm going to be smoking these various and sundry meats for the next 10 hours. You just want to drop by? And I'm like, yeah, man. I mean, just to talk, just to crack open a cold drink and just to spend time with you. I mean, those are where some of the best conversations happen because we're not thinking about what we have to talk about. Those things just happen. And Christians ought to just be, you know, there, there are people, and I'm not trying to throw stones at by any stretch. There are people that just look at food and I said this earlier, in a utilitarian fashion. It's just fuel. Food is fuel. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not just fuel. Food's a good gift from God, and we ought to leverage that. Now, if you're the food is fuel person, God bless you, because you're probably in really good shape. Um, but you need to expand the, uh, you know, the, the lens on to see that, that food is not just, just to make you go. It's, it's something that's so good uh, for us that it's the picture that God uses of the bride returning mm-hmm. for the bride or the bridegroom returning for the bride of the church at the end of the age. It's that picture. This opulent, beautiful, amazing marriage supper of the Lamb. That's that's what food points us to. And so anytime that we can use that in ways for gospel means, I think it makes God very happy, if I could say it that way. So tell me just before we stop what, just give me a glimpse, just give me a taste, no pun, and maybe a little bit of pun. <laughs> Come on. What we'll are, eat it off. What, <laughs> there we go. What are we going to hear about in, in this series? Just give me a little bit about <clears throat> what the next few weeks are going to look like. So speaking of agendas, so um, people have already heard the first message, which just really introduces everyone to this idea that 
um, we need to redeem the table. We need to leverage leverage um, eating and feasting for missional purposes. And so how do we do that? Well, that's what the next few weeks will be after. We'll talk about how we can better disciple people around the table, how we can reach people, reach the lost, do evangelism around the table, how we can just celebrate things around the table. And then uh, I think wonderfully so, we're going to end up uh, talking about the Lord's Supper. The last week, we're going we're gonna to observe the Lord's Supper, kind of get under the hood a little bit more about what that means, why it rep- and hopefully for everything that we've been talking about, it'll really prep us for the Lord's Supper. Like, ah, you know, here is a meal that God ordains us through the Jesus ordains it himself to say, this is the meal I want you to take from now until I return uh, to, to remind yourself of who I am and whose you are and what I've done for you and, and that I'm coming back. And so that's what we're going to be doing in the series. And then, I mean, our, our campuses are going to be doing like, they're doing some stuff on the side that, that I think is really cool. Yeah, November 14th, we're going to have um, some kind of event with food at it across all of our campuses. Yep. And so at Eager Bay, we're having a, a barbecue cook-off. I'm in. Uh, West, we're having a chili cook-off. Yeah, chili yep, cook-off. Chili cook-off. Uh, East 96 is doing barbecue and chili. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clear Lake is going to be doing one of their block parties. We'll have some food there as well. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. I can't either. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today. 